0: Thank uh-huh. you. Welcome to Episode 108 of the Steptoe Cyberlaw Podcast, brought to you by StepTo & Johnson. Thank you for joining us. We're lawyers talking about technology, security, privacy, and government, and I'm joined today by our guest commentator, nula O'Connor, the President and CEO of the Center for Democracy and Technology. nula welcome.
1: Thanks so much for having me again.
0: It's a pleasure. Uh, uh, nula comes every time a couple of weeks before the big tech prom that CDT uh, has here in Washington, and once again, we're having a... Tech prom in It's about next
1: a week. Wednesday, April sixth. Still time to get your individual tickets at www.cdt.org.
0: Terrific. All right. Uh, and uh, uh, also uh, uh, with us today are Michael Vattis, formerly with the FBI and the Justice Department, now a partner in our New York office. Uh, Michael, uh, Michael, welcome.
2: Thank you. Good to be here.
0: And uh, Meredith Rathbone, uh, who is uh, a, a partner in our international department, one of our experts in export control. She's been on before. It's a pleasure to have you, Meredith.
3: Thank you. Nice to be back.
0: All right. Uh, and I'm Stuart Baker, formerly with NSA and DHS, and holding the record for returning to practice law at Steptoe & Johnson more times than any other lawyer. Let's jump right in. Uh, uh, the EU... Um, has made uh, security news, and some of it is uh, uh, cyber-related. Uh, 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 in the wake of not just uh, uh, Paris, but now Brussels, uh, uh, the EU has uh, issued a joint statement saying they're going to do a whole bunch of things to... Uh, uh, fight terrorism. Uh, um, and, uh, newly you'll like this one. Uh, uh, they're going to adopt a PNR program. Right? Uh, finally and at last, after years and years of bitching and moaning and, and fighting with the U.S. over having one, uh it looks as though Europe is saying, oh, really, we have to have one, too.
1: Within the, the EU yes. zone? Wow. But most people don't necessarily have to fly to get around
0: Europe. They no, can. that's true. Uh, uh, on the other hand, uh, if you're flying to... Uh uh, Syria. In and or out of Tehran. Yeah. Or, uh, uh, Jordan, you might, uh, mm-hmm. uh you might want to have uh PNR system. We
1: could maybe both advise them a little bit on how to set that up,
0: huh? Uh, we could, <laughs> we could. Uh, 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 yeah. You were at a whole privacy impact assessment, I think. I uh, sat
1: in all those meetings, all those negotiations for, uh, gosh, a year or more.
0: Exactly. So they're also going to do terrorist finance, uh, which we're also intimately familiar with, uh, uh and, uh, Systematic feeding, consistent use and interoperability of uh, databases on travel security. You're going to love this. Uh, it's going to get, create a whole new uh, um, bunch of things for you to do in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, so, yes, they're going to create interoperability and share mm-hmm. information across uh, uh, intelligence agencies uh, in travel security and migration. Uh, so, again, uh, what they're rolling over is the old privacy speed bumps that prevented them from, from doing this. Uh, um, they've got a, a counter-radicalization agenda. Uh, and, oh, I like this, intensifying cooperation with third countries to obtain digital evidence more quickly. It, you know, maybe they'll finally come to the United States and, and say they uh, intend to, to work with us. Uh, so it's a, it's a very interesting agenda, not surprising, Um, uh, And, in fact, they've said many of these things before and not done it. So uh, it remains to be seen whether they're actually going to do anything. Um, Okay. ZTE. ZTE and Huawei are the two big manufacturers of uh, telecommunications infrastructure gear. And uh, they are notorious inside the United States for uh, uh, attracting the suspicion, including the counterintelligence suspicion, of uh, uh, U.S. authorities. Uh, and ZTE um, recently had, I, I was going to say a ton of bricks dropped on them, but certainly a bag of bricks, uh, or what it looked like a bag of bricks, and then turned out to be a bag of marshmallows, if I can <laughs> uh, mix the metaphor. Uh, uh, what exactly... Were they being punished for? And then how come the punishment sort of wafted slowly out the window?
3: Uh, wafted pretty quickly out the window, for now anyway. So, yeah, what happened was uh, ZTE uh, a few weeks ago, Mar- March 8th, uh, was named by the Commerce Department's Bureau of Industry and Security to the entity list. So the entity list, for anybody who's been watching this stuff for a long time, is this list – that's been around since the late 90s. It was created as a result of the India-Pakistan nuclear tests way back when and originally had some India, Indian and Pakistani entities involved in in allegedly nuclear proliferation uh, named to it. And U.S. persons uh, couldn't export uh, U.S. uh, origin items to them. Um, this list has proliferated now and it covers all sorts of things you know anybody who acts contrary to us national security uh, or foreign policy interests can be added to this list and there are hundreds of people now on this list all around the world but uh, ZTE being added to the list is was pretty surprising it's being because what they make huge- is
0: they make computers and Back office uh, mobile phone inform- uh, uh, systems and things like that, right?
3: They're everywhere. Yeah, yeah. their their products are everywhere. Well, you,
0: you can buy their phones uh, down at the uh, right. at the Target,
3: right? Exactly, and and they're a you know a major Chinese company, so. Adding a company like this to the entity list was a really big deal right. um, so this was
0: totally I mean this was a disaster for their business potentially it really absolutely. was it did look like a bag of bricks dropped on their head
3: right because the restriction was uh, that you, on the entity list the u s government can choose uh, what the export restriction is, and they they set the strictest one, which is no exports of uh, of eAR controlled items and, which and is is which is anything the, that's,
0: the, the punishment was for Having set up a bunch of um, phony companies and front companies uh in order to buy respectable co- American companies stuff and then ship them to Iran if I
3: exactly remember. yeah so so they were alleged to have set up this series of shell companies to be able to get u s origin uh products to Iran uh, and to other sanctioned companies or countries by the way Sudan and Cuba and others and so um and one of the other things that was unusual about this, besides just the fact that it was such a huge uh, company, is that uh, the U.S. government actually released internal company documents that uh, they say prove that they engaged in this activity. Well,
0: it did look like it was completely contemptuous of U.S. law. The, 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 they they were doing this and they knew they were violating U.S. law and they didn't care and so not surprising the U.S. government would come down on them pretty heavily, um, but then it all sort of went away or partially went away.
3: Most of it went away, yeah. So so uh, just over two weeks after they were put on the entity list, BIS issued a general license saying, oh, for the you know two key companies, the two key ZTE companies. Uh, we're putting in place this general license for the next few months. It's back to the status quo ante, basically. You can continue to export them just as you, export to them just as you did
0: before. So, what so, do, we, do, do we have any idea why they would have done that two step?
3: Yeah, so, well, as you can imagine, the Chinese government, of course, uh, and ZTE itself lobbied heavily to have this removed. They were not happy with the situation uh this was a huge headache for us companies and foreign companies ah, that incorporate they had
0: licenses, us origin stuff the yeah they already had.
3: exactly so so surely this i know that because i got calls from lots of these companies right. saying you know what do we do now um and and so zte's supply chain of us origin stuff and even foreign origin stuff to some extent uh, undoubtedly ground to a halt and so bis uh you know reading between the lines of what they published Suggests that, uh, ZTE, uh, may not have been as fully cooperative before as they would have liked and now suddenly they've become much more cooperative. Uh, they've promised to provide a bunch of additional information to BIS. Uh, I've, I've read, uh, that that may include the names of all of its customers in Iran and some other countries.
0: So they also, one of the memos that, uh, internal memos that they published, uh, was a justification by ZTE to its management of what it was doing by saying essentially, well, Huawei's doing this. We're just going to pick, we're going to follow Huawei's model. They didn't use Huawei's name, but they described it in a way that it could only be Huawei, um, which suggests that at a minimum, there's now a big Commerce Department investigation of Huawei and a cooperating witness uh, in the form of ZTE. So uh, this probably isn't over.
3: Definitely not over. No, more to come.
0: Alright, uh, very exciting guy. Uh, well, uh, let's move on to other Iranian news. Uh, uh, the, uh, the U.S. government, which was Mocked in some quarters for indicting the PLA members for uh, uh, breaking into U.S. computers, has done it again, although this time the Southern District of New York said, uh, no, no, nobody gets to make uh, uh, news about uh, big new uh, hacking uh, prosecutions except us. Um, eh, They have indicted several Iranians uh, who worked for what sound like... um, government contractors cyber contractors in iran for uh being uh contributors to the big ddos attacks that were launched against uh, uh us banks uh, and a few other uh banks uh, uh and um, for hacking a dam's SCADA system uh in rye new york uh, um a- and uh, uh, apparently trying to actually open the sluice waste uh, um a- the good news is our infrastructure is so old and so decrepit and so badly maintained that they'd taken it offline because the, uh, uh, evidently the sluiceway had other problems. Uh, so they couldn't open the sluiceway, but it, it is kind of scary. Uh, uh, Rye, New York is suburban, uh, uh New York City and, uh, Um, If they could have done something to that dam, uh, they would have killed people. Uh, uh, So all of those folks are now indicted and uh, in the same limbo that the... uh, um, uh the uh the PLA members are in um, eh, i don't know uh, um, eh, michael what do you think of the prospects that the southern district is going to do a better job of getting uh, these guys uh, than the western district of pennsylvania i noticed that they they did say they want to forfeit any property of the uh, defendants uh, uh and having been through a few forfeiture cases involving the southern district uh, that ought to chill uh, uh pretty much everybody who does business with Iran.
2: Yeah, I um well, I think the the likelihood of getting our hands on any of these guys is is very low uh unless they travel to a country where we might be able to extradite them from. So I think the the real issue is going to be that the second one you touched on which is, you know, whether the government adds to the indictments by trying to block their assets uh, uh I do think it's important to uh, correct one thing. From what I've read about that dam, there, nobody would have died if they'd opened up the uh, the gate. It might have flooded some basements. Uh,
0: <laughs> okay, just, all right.
2: Which is a serious problem for for residents of suburbia, but it's not quite the same as death.
0: All right. Yes, uh, I'll, I'll I'll accept that uh, correction. Uh, uh, so, a uh, couple of interesting things about this case one by saying that they want to forfeit these uh, the assets used by the uh, uh hackers aren't they putting at risk every computer that was taken over by the uh, hackers to run their ddos i mean they did the standard ddos they they found a particular vulnerability they surveyed the web for it uh, and uh, they found people who had the vulnerability they took over their computers they they dumped a script in and started sending out uh, Ddos uh, uh, packets, Um, which means that they were using those assets uh, in their attack. Which means I think that uh, under forfeiture law, the U.S. government can say, "Okay, we own those assets." Uh, uh, Just like um, if your motel is used to sell drugs, they can just take your motel, even if you weren't the one selling the drugs. Uh, um, So. At least in theory, there's there's substantial risk to a whole bunch of innocent parties.
2: In theory, yeah, you're you're right. That's a problem with uh, with forfeiture law. A lot of people have raised complaints about that aspect, both conservatives and, and liberals. Um, if you're the owner, if you're the innocent owner of one of those assets, you know you have the burden of proof of, of showing your innocence. So it doesn't, you know, you're not necessarily going to have your assets seized. But you bear the burden of showing that, in fact, you had nothing to do with it and were just the victim of of these uh, hackers.
0: So the one which the, is not
2: an easy thing to do.
0: Yeah, I that, that, that exactly it, it, the the whole game is rigged against you uh, in in forfeiture law. Uh, you don't get to make your case until years after they've taken your stuff and done with it what they want. Um, it, the other thing that I thought was interesting about this is that it has always struck me that if there's anything that you ought to be able to get the uh finance ministries of the world to agree on it's that people shouldn't engage in cyber attacks on banks and the US has has uh, had the uh, ability to attack banks for a long time and has always uh been reluctant to do that um and i wonder if this might be a, an occasion where the US government could persuade treasury min- uh, ministers finance ministers around the world that they ought to impose financial sanctions multilaterally on the companies that, you know, were hired and where these hackers worked to carry out the attacks. Uh, seems to me that this is a place where we might get some international norms and maybe even enforceable ones.
2: I think you're right. Um, certainly with respect to China, which has just as much interest in preserving um, the operability of, of the international financial uh, system. Um, less clear that Iran, which is under um, so many heavy sanctions right now, uh, they would would sign on to that sort of a treaty. But that's all right if you know if they're one of the few outliers. I think that's that serves a purpose in itself.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. Congratulations, you're now part of the world inter- uh, uh, financial system, and by the way, we're going to cut you off again, uh, but this time for a different reason. Uh, it's, uh, um, uh, I can see it wouldn't look great from Tehran, but uh, it might look good to a lot of other folks who, who are saying if there's anybody, we could uh, enforce this rule against it's some Iranian entities before they get too rich for us to, uh, to sanction. I don't know, Juanula, uh you guys ha- have policy on uh, uh, whether to indict hackers uh, uh, and uh, uh, whether uh, uh, forfeiture law is appropriate in this context?
1: Well, so obviously we're very concerned about the treatment of white hat hackers. But you know, when you're engaging in criminal activity, you're engaging in criminal activity. Um, what this case says to me, though, is it's not a very long walk from the issues raised by this case in a substantive uh, basis from the Apple case. You're going to argue against end-to-end encryption. You're going to leave vulnerable our critical infrastructure because the, the next target is not the little tiny dam. If you've seen a picture of that dam, it is, it is a small, small thing. But the the message to me is... That attackers will be coming after other forms of critical infrastructure in this country as so, well.
0: I, I guess I have to say, give me a bleep <laughs> uh, w- and break. Encryption to end or not would have done nothing for that dam. <laughs> that's a fair
1: point, and you're right. It was offline, and you're right. It was. It, I, I We should be probably more worried about our critical infrastructure failing in in other ways, <laughs> right? Cr- crumbling literally. We were um, saved
0: by it. It's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's, sad, it's the brilliance of our system. That's true, systems.
1: and that's an argument that's been made about the OPM <clears> attack. Right? Is they would have gotten more if those servers had been if the, if the systems had been better and more up to date, but the hackers couldn't see some of the stuff because they're 20 and 30 year old systems. That is a pretty sad response to you know the, the, the cyber war that we are. All so in. I
0: have I have seen uh, uh, occasions where <clears throat> hackers have actually um, fixed. Bottlenecks in the mm-hmm. systems that they're infecting, uh, so that they can do their job better. Uh, uh, and so the hackers are fixing America's infrastructure uh, and paying for it. It's it's a Trumpian solution to the uh, to terrifying. the problem. That <laughs> argument is terrifying. <laughs> <in laughs> Everybody. <way. laughs> okay, um, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, equally terrifying, and I don't know. Again, uh, where. Uh, um, Cdt comes out is uh uh the CNIL the French data protection authority has announced that it's imposing $100,000 100,000 euro fine on Google um, generously saying well we're not going to uh, impose the maximum of 150,000 uh because you kind of uh half complied with our will um a, uh, in a right to be forgotten case and their what they have objected to is that Google said, okay, you tell us that we have to get rid of some French minister's mistress's uh, story. Uh, we'll take it out of Google.fr. And uh, the canile said, no, no, not good enough. Many of our people use Google.com. Uh, uh, and so they said, well, fine. If somebody looks up this French min- uh, minister's mistress's name in, uh, uh, in France on Google.com, we will get rid of, uh, we will delink there as well. And the Keneal has now said, no, no, we want to make sure that Americans can't find this French minister's mistress's name. Uh, and so all of Google.com, in their view, has to be censored to, uh, if uh, uh, Google is to avoid fines. And these fines, of course, they're only $100,000 now, but they're going to be um, you know, 2% to 4% of global net or global gross revenue I think uh, um, in a couple of years so this is a very big deal Um, even Google which doesn't much like this is going to have to cave if they start imposing fines that size Uh, I think it's absolutely astonishing and outrageous and an, an act of imperialism on the part of the French government, uh, and especially a weenie part of the French government like the Kinelle. Um eh, But I don't know what CDT thinks about you this. You are going to be shocked,
1: shocked to find out what I
0: think. So All right. right?
1: But um, before I get to that punchline, let me backtrack a little bit to say... In addition to being a privacy advocacy organization, CDT has had a long-standing commitment to not only the First Amendment, to, but to free expression globally, right? So those are our, originally our two core teams were privacy and free expression, which many people think are in, in conflict. Attention. I don't think that's always the case. I think you need good privacy online to be able to express yourself freely, and I think free expression is a fundamental right for people around the world. So, and we're also deeply, deeply committed to the internet as a global communications mechanism and form of kind of self-empowerment. and and amelioration of social good. So given all of that background, I, in the two years I've been there, have have walked not a very long line from a a career in privacy to becoming a wacko free expression advocate. So just completely off the rails in terms of my devotion to the First Amendment, but also to those principles globally as kind of articulated very differently and under different laws and maybe not with the same oomph. Um, So where we land on this, I think you'll be surprised to find, is we don't like the right to be forgotten.
2: We don't like it one
1: bit. Um, But let me go a little further with that. Um, Because it violates the sense of a truly global Internet, because it violates kind of the, 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 the allegiance to truth and to the outing of information and to the, the, the full and free expression of one's you know, own dignity online. Um, but it really it kind of creates this fragmentation of the Internet in a way that we think really devolves its best and highest purpose. Let me stop by saying, though, we do have rights to be forgotten in the United States. Sort so of. like anything, there is no simple and completely black and white answer to this. You have a right to take stuff down in California. Let, not only that the fair credit reporting act my dear is a somewhat limited somewhat modified right to be forgotten at the end of your seven years after your bankruptcy or your 10 years after your foreclosure or whatever the numbers are thank god i don't actually have to learn them anymore i used to be a banking lawyer and i've never had a fore, uh you know a bankruptcy or a foreclosure but there is some length of time at which you are forgiven and forgotten In the financial space, and you are allowed to begin again. I think this is the great reinvention and kind of self, you know, actualization that is an American value. But Um, but but they're limited. You're right. Very limited. Very limited. It, but more importantly, it applies to everyone in the United States across the board equally. And the reason, we remember the social reasons behind the Fair Credit Reporting Act were to end racial and gender discrimination, particularly race discrimination in the housing and in car loan and other credit offering markets. Um, and they are offered and allowed across the board. The right to be forgotten, as we have already seen articulated and actualized in Europe, It's definitely a right that is going to be availed by the richer, the powerful, the well, you know, the people who are more aware of their social standing and their, their political status, et cetera, et cetera. It is not going to be one that is really going to be available across the board to all people. And you're going to then have kind of information vacuums and information disparity. But further, I also don't want Private sector librarians, like I think, I, it's a really interesting point about someone What's saying, what,
0: "What do you mean you don't want private sector?" I audits? want. Oh, you don't I want don't them want pri- don't to
1: become our custodians of information, in in and in a sense that the, the private sector actor will be forced to act on the whims of the government or the direction of the government. Um, they're, they're all of their their motivation will be to comply because of it's only a downside for them, yeah, right? They, they get nothing um, out of it. There's you know there's right, there's no up. upside for them at all. Um, I was just going to say that someone said the most important. Uh, Nominee, I saw a headline. Most important nominee, no one's talking about is Librarian of Congress. Right? The, the, us knowing our history and being aware of it is an essential to our sense of selves as a society. And no more would I want the French to come here and tell us what to do than I would necessarily want the U.S. to go to France and say you need to take down information about Donald Trump. The world is entitled to know.
0: So I I I think you're you're right to 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 a significant degree, but my uh, that's
1: the best my, I'm going to get. Yeah, no, no, we
0: we mostly agree on this, uh, uh, except that I think that the way this is shaping up is that everybody is regulating the internet and and the big U.S. companies and other companies that provide the internet uh, and telling them what they can say, uh, first in their own territory and increasingly, as with the French, uh, uh, inside the U.S which sort of uh, from a global commons, uh, we've turned it into a bunch of national or continental uh, internets uh, uh, in which we get to play the role of Syria. Everybody's telling us what to do here uh, and exercising power over what we get to read. You know, The uh, Baidu uh, won a case saying we have a First Amendment right to tell people that nothing happened in June of 1989 in in Tiananmen Square. Nothing at all, you know, except the weather. Uh, And that's our First Amendment right. Uh, And, of course, they say that because some other government is leaning hard on them to to, uh, take that view. Now the French are saying, oh, our mistresses are off, uh, 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 out of bounds as well. Uh, And so they have the leverage over the U.S. companies – Because of the First Amendment, we have restraints in what we can do to say, no, no, don't listen to those other foreign governments.
1: Well, I would say... That there's a difference between saying you're allowed to say something even if it is a lie versus you're not allowed to publish information and make it available. Because I do believe in the marketplace of ideas, more, bad speech is best contradicted by good speech or more speech or more outspoken speech. I would hope that again in the marketplace of ideas that w- the truth will out. So what
0: should the US do about this? It's, it's I, quite I, clear that, 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 uh, once, now that this is kind of established, uh, the, The Russians will be in saying, well, you can't say anything mean about Putin because right to be forgotten. Um, And um, inside the U.S., for most of these companies, there's no reason for them not to just salute and say yes, sir. Not to just cave.
1: And so, again, I, 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 would say we've taken a kind of an American exceptionalist position as to our First Amendment in other parts of the world that do not have this slavish devotion as it has right. been described by others, um, to speech and truth and, 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 other good things that I would describe. Um, and, and the Europeans similarly would say, well, this is our value structure you want to play yeah, in our but they're stand- imposing it on us. I agree. So Listen, do, I totally agree. I think there is a, there is a real difference as, as tragic as it is to, to impose it on an, an entirely EU-based, even division of a U.S. country, country, com- 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 like Google.fr versus Google.com, but I want to go to kind of what's the underpinning here? And and to me, there's a we we haven't fully explored the issue of people's sense of. Their digital self and their loss of control of their own information. So, mm-hmm. setting aside the really notorious, I think the first five requests to Google were, frankly, former members of the UK government trying to sh- to cover up essentially their financial misdeeds or their sexual misdeeds no, or whatever. Was that, that, that was
0: that famous Max Mosley five hooker five hour orgy, uh, sadomasochistic orgy. missed that?
1: You read the most interesting news. You read different <laughs> magazines than I do apparently, Stuart. In my free time, well, he, but he, 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 um,
0: he won a case uh, saying you you can't show those videos. Uh, Apparently, it was video- videotaped. Doing it.
1: So setting aside the notorious and the public, which, you know, again, I think public figures have a different level of scrutiny than private citizens. There is a, a growing sense among the private individual that they have lost control. And and that is why we're seeing things like the revenge porn, you know, uh, right. cases and um, increasing state law or legislative enactments there. Um I do think we have a conversation to be had about identity and community online, and what the role is of the publisher and the the big creator of commons. And that's why what I was alluding to when I said earlier, private sector librarians, you know, people are coming to big companies like Facebook and Google and elsewhere and asking them to act as essentially public sector actors mm-hmm. with the same kind of controls and transparency and that sort of thing. And I think we have but, some but hard without
0: the without the constitutional constraints,
1: right? Exactly. And so, it, and you you know they, they we do forget i think at times that these are private sector actors and um and so they don't necessarily have to act in the same and with the same kind of responsiveness now I wouldn't argue that they should, in that sense that it's good customer service to be aware of what your your customers are asking for and, and and try to create reasonable rules. The first step I would say towards that is transparency about the what the rules are. And, and let me I'm going a little off tangent here, but uh, the case that I just think of is um, the again the issue of identity and the example people always use is the Facebook real name policy, but there are so many others about how companies. moderate and modify speech online, what kind of rules they're putting in place, and they start with how much they make you identify yourself. And it's something we struggled with in in, in companies I've worked with is... There, there is an allegation that speech becomes better and have a higher quality and more respectful when people are forced to self-identify. There are on the other side compelling reasons why you wouldn't want to self-identify and wh- why you would want your identity to remain private. Um, how do companies, private sector companies, create their, their role structure? How do they create an appeal structure or a kind of biofeedback mechanism for, for customers or, or citizens or, or participants in their fora? Um, and again, how do we as, as individuals not try to create make them into governments when they are not
0: well yeah although um, since they have enormous enormous uh uh power uh it's a little hard to say well we just don't want the, we don't want to regulate them all again, at all and we just want them to tell us as much as they're willing to tell us about what their rules are especially uh, with your very uh, narrowly focused uh, uh, attention to the idea of uh, i uh the Rules on anonymity, which I, you know, maybe there's a problem there, and maybe there isn't, but that's not the biggest problem in the way. Right, they just,
1: I think of it as a, a gateway
0: to the larger conversation. Well, about, I about you know there's this, there's this guy Milo Yiannopoulos uh, mm-hmm. who thinks that he was abused by Twitter uh, because they uh, refused to continue to certify to to verify his identity. Uh, this is the guy that has uh, the tour that he calls the Dangerous Faggot Tour, in which he goes around saying things that uh, college students consider Hurtful and uh, violating their safe space because he's a libertarian, um, and uh, he has said some very rude things on uh, on Twitter, and uh, they took away his green check, which verifies his identity. He thinks because of his uh, his uh, statements. Uh, um, let me uh, just make sure that I catch a few things from uh, uh, Michael before he has to head out. Uh, um, uh, Michael, just there is nothing like a really good, vicious public turf war. Um, and that seems to be what we've got here between the FCC and the FTC. Uh, um, you know, the FTC was was getting in the business of regulating ISPs, and then suddenly the FCC comes in and, and says, as part of their effort to enforce the uh, uh, net neutrality rules, oh, and by the way, th- those guys are all subject to our jurisdiction, uh, uh, and uh, uh, that had the effect of ousting the FTC which is getting its uh, uh, revenge by making bitchy speeches about how bad the FCC is at uh, writing privacy rules and recommending to the FCC that they adopt the FTC's uh, case-by-case, you know, uh, Hulk smash uh, approach to uh, 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 regulating security. Uh, What's going on here? (laughs) <laughs>
2: you got me, I thought this was the most one of the most bizarre things I read uh in recent days, and there have been a lot of bizarre news in recent days um but it, it is strange for uh, an FTC commissioner to blast the FCC for a rule that we haven't even seen yet we've only seen a press release from the FCC at least i haven't seen it i think it's only been circulated within the commission and from the press release, it sounds like a very mild uh, a proposal to, to basically, um, uh, you know, encourage some core principles such as choice, transparency, and security uh, and to to have certain categories of personal information uh, be governed by an opt-out rule, others by an opt-in rule. It, it does not seem to me to be very um, strict, but, you know, we'll have to wait and see. The other thing that is bizarre to me is the the premise of uh, Commissioner Olhausen's speech, which is that somehow it's more business-friendly to have a case-by-case approach where businesses have no clue what they're supposed to do to satisfy the FTC's uh, view of what constitutes reasonable security, except by having their lawyers review 50-plus settlements to see what companies did in the past that was considered uh, inadequate and and try to read the tea leaves from those. I mean, it doesn't strike me as a very business-friendly business approach.
0: Well, to be fair, the FTC says, we will tell you uh, uh, when we uh, impose our 20-year uh, uh, consent decree on you. Um, uh, exactly. Uh, but I, it, is, um, it is kind of astonishing. I mean, the... the, the the condescension in that speech to the FCC, oh, you don't really understand how to regulate, but we do. Our, uh, tried and true method of not telling people their, uh, what they did wrong until we punish them is, uh, is obviously superior at a time when they are living through the LabMD, uh, exercise in which they were basically hired on as muscle to enforce what looks like a, uh, shakedown, uh, uh by, uh, a private company is it's, it's tone deaf.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. The, the other interesting thing, and I don't know, I don't know what to make of this, is that this is um, the, the lone Republican on the FTC, uh, but yet she's, you know, she's uh, touting the, the entire commission's approach. So I, I'd be curious to know inside the commission how the other commissioners felt about this speech.
0: Yeah, maybe maybe she was giving Julie Brill's speech because Julie was uh, leaving the uh, the commission. Uh Yeah, it, it was bizarre, but it is certainly it is it is a lot of fun. It's uh, it's a it's a real mud wrestling match, uh, uh and obviously a lot of this and the uh, the vituperation in it has to do with uh, a sense that the FTC had a great opportunity to make law stolen from it by the FCC, uh, and, and that's probably what's dragging, uh, making them particularly unhappy about the FCC's efforts. Um, one last thing. Uh, actually, I know, Mike, you'll, Michael, you have to leave, so uh, if you if you want to leave, go right ahead, and I will engage uh, Nula on this one. The... Um, the The NSA – there there have been stories for a while that NSA is going to allow other government agencies to – uh, get access to uh, certain raw intercept data. And uh, a couple of congressmen, uh, 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 Congressman Liu and uh, Congressman um, Farenthold, uh, so one Republican, one Democrat, have written a, a letter to uh, Admiral Rogers saying, don't you dare, there's a Fourth Amendment, uh, this would be outrageous. Uh, uh, this issue has been kicking around for a long, long time. I think it might have been kicked off in, in the Bush administration, by the Bush administration saying, we really ought to open up NSA's, uh, uh, raw traffic files to other agencies. And there's a, there's an interesting fight about that. Uh, obviously it, it ha- goes back way before even well uh, uh, certainly before snowden um, i think the fight as originally set up was the idea that uh, if we're going to have information sharing then we ought to allow information sharing uh by uh, uh with other agencies because obviously nsa has good analysts but they don't always know what uh, the fbi cares about in a particular international uh, investigation uh, nor do they know what uh, DIA cares about in the same way that DIA does so DIA is likely to do a better job of digging into that raw data and finding the gems than the NSA analysts uh, who are removed from from the agency i think that was the theory it was part of information sharing uh, in the wake of the 911 commission's recommendations to uh, really expand information sharing and it's been Inching forward throughout the end of the Bush administration and almost all of the Obama administration probably, probably will not make it uh, to land before the uh, uh, Obama administration ends. Um, And now, of course, it's all caught up in the assumption that uh, NSA has gathered all this information um, in circumstances of questionable legality, and we shouldn't let the FBI or DEA or DIA get access to it. Uh, uh, Is this something that CDT has focused on, cared about, sued about? (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't think we've sued anyone yet. Right.
1: Um, no, I I thank you for the question. But Stuart, a question on that issue from, from you. It's like you, you know far more about these issues than so I, am, I I'm, do. So
0: I'm a little torn on this because, I, you know, when I was at NSA, we guarded that uh, raw traffic mm-hmm. uh, uh very aggressively, not because it was necessarily all that sensitive from a sources and methods point of view, although sometimes it was, but in part because we said, well, we know how to maintain the rules. We always send it out with all these... Re- we, we, we redact all the U.S. person identities mm-hmm. and uh, we make people justify their access to the U.S. person identities and uh, a lot of privacy protection. So ironically, NSA's view was they were doing a better job of protecting privacy than these other agencies would do. Uh, and I, I actually think that's probably true. Um, uh, so the irony is these congressmen, much as they abuse NSA in the course of the letter, are really signing up to that view, that NSA can protect this in a way that other agencies couldn't. Um, That's a little... Counterintuitive, so I I would welcome your uh, joining the counterintuitive parade if you want to, and say nice things about uh, NSA's ability to protect privacy.
1: Well, of course, I can say nice things that, about NSA now that Becky Richards, <laughs> the person <laughs> who I hired as the head of compliance at DHS, is now leading privacy and civil liberties at NSA. Listen, I think you should never, you know, miss the opportunity to use a good crisis, right? And I think that the folks at NSA have learned and and, and have felt very abused, as you've said, in the in the years and months. Post Snowden, um, and I do take your point that there were good rules in place before. Bottom line, let me say this: where CDT is, and where I think many, not only in advocacy but you know many in, in this dialogue, are is no one wants th- to miss the opportunity to save lives and right. to protect the country. Um, I think most people would agree. Not everybody, certainly, but many people would agree that uh, limited. Targeted, legitimate, law enforcement and counterterrorism, you know, requires some information gathering on known, or, you know, or suspected, uh, individuals of interest, um, with all the guardrails that you've described and, and maybe more. Um, what I would struggle with is, and, and, and also let me take one more step with that, which is, It would be tragic, and I think many people would be very uncomfortable with the idea that we had information in our our possession and didn't act on it, right? Which is, Mm -hmm. I think, the argument that the FBI and other agencies are making is, you've got those crown jewels, you're not letting us see them and therefore it is your fault if we can't do our jobs. This is the same argument FBI is making about Apple and about everybody else who's not letting them do their jobs. I am beginning to we- weary of that argument um, because I think there are lots of kinds of, of com- intelligence, communications intelligence, human intelligence, signals intelligence um, and I, I, I struggle even with the tragic, tragic events we've seen in this country and elsewhere to think that the last six weeks of data on that iPhone are going to make the difference in the world that the
0: FBI is trying to solve Well, yeah, but Um, bear in mind this is the the FBI um, went into a. Five story, uh, collapsed, uh, uh, set of, uh, uh, garages full of cars that had been blown up in 93, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think, uh, uh, and pulled from it the axle of the car that actually had the explosives in it and extracted from that the VIN, uh, and from that found yeah. the uh, guy who was, uh, uh, who, who had actually rented mm-hmm. it, uh, and broke the case. So any that way. little scintilla so, of evidence. Exactly. Okay. They, so even oh.
1: taking that, I still would, I've even taken that point, and it's a very good one. Would still end up on the side of end-to-end encryption as being essential to our national security, actually. And that's probably a longer conversation. On this, on, on this argument, I worry about the sharing of information that was collected for one purpose for a different purpose, and that's the same principle I would hold to the, the IRS or any other information collector in in our federal government um, when in, collect, collected for one purpose and with one, you know, frame of mind. I think do you and think, I have do both you think worked. can't
0: say that anymore, though. I mean, so, uh, surely NSA would say, well, we gather, gather it for foreign intelligence purposes, which certainly includes counterterrorism. And we are not the only counterterrorism agency in the government. Uh, the FBI is a, uh, counterintelligence analyst as well as, uh, uh, collector and somebody who carries out, uh, um, counterterrorism missions. So, if they come to us and say, we'd like to look at your raw data for Counterterrorism purposes. It has to be really to...
1: closely related to the initial kind of uh, inquiry at hand, and I think there need to be pretty clear guardrails. So that my worry is that once it gets out of the initial box, it is very hard to control. As yeah, but I, I, that, so
0: I think you're you may be making a mistake in viewing the way NSA collects mm-hmm. intelligence as driven by a particular investigation. They're not trying to find out the answer to a particular thing in many cases. They're trying to figure out, uh, can we get access to the communications of this group? Um, And they might have multiple reasons for wanting access to that, but they've basically been told by policymakers, we need to know what that group is thinking. Are they getting ready to uh, launch attacks or are they uh, not? Uh, What are they trying to get out of this? How can we buy them off or kill them off? Whatever uh, it takes. Uh, um, And they're just going to go in and get whatever communications they can, and they're not saying this is, I'm gathering this for some particular purpose. It's foreign intelligence purposes.
1: Right, and I, and I guess that's where we would probably have a little bit of discord, because I worry about the expansive use of that definition, right?
0: So um, if you, you know, look, the world is full of people who would like to kill us in very large numbers, including um, governments, um, and Anything we can do to get access to their plans is fair game as far as i 'm concerned uh, i and to say, Oh well, we want to impose limits beyond what is technically possible or beyond protecting Americans who are not acting on behalf of these uh, these groups uh, or organizations um, is very dangerous it 's one thing to have a rule that says if you discover that you 've got an American and you say Gee, I've got an American here, what do I do with it? The answer, the default is don't do anything, put it aside, lock it up. Uh, that's, that's a rule that you can probably administer, but gathering intelligence, uh, the way NSA does it means, uh, trying hundreds of things to get ten of them to work, uh, and collecting thousands of documents in the hopes that one of them will turn out to be relevant. And that has served us well in trying to deal with the Soviet Union and foreign governments and, frankly, a lot of foreign terrorist organizations. And imposing some weird, well, not weird, some Fourth Amendment lawyer's idea of what NSA should be doing on them is going to dramatically increase our risk, and we won't discover it until something really really dangerous.
1: Has elements. it served us well, really, though, Stuart? I yes. Mean, look at the history of the last 15 years and terrorism in the United States. Um, I take your point. I take your, I take your point and, and I agree that there are people in the world who want to kill us. I have made that point very publicly and have experienced that both in Northern Ireland and in the United States. But I would say more information is not necessarily better information, right? More information can be noise. So what I would say an efficient national security uh, operation does not necessarily take everything they can possibly get their hands on. So
0: I hear this a lot from from people who uh, have your position, and and it's sort of a way of saying, oh, I'm really on the side of the counterterrorism guys. I'm trying to help them by giving them less data to work with so they can focus on what's important. I think that's complete BS. You want to find the most important information and you don't know whether it's in the stuff you've already collected or in this other haystack that you're trying to ingest and the idea that you're going to choke on the hay is just a uh, is is one wrong and two it just means you better, need better pitchforks for going through the hay uh, and those are big data uh, analytic tools that are coming online and are making it much easier to find patterns in large amounts of data.
1: I hope that's true. Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I I promised I uh, uh I I'll, I I have done an analysis of the timing of um Secretary Clinton's first 3 months of using her um, personal email uh server and there's some really interesting stuff in that, but I uh, I I I don't want to burden you with that. We'll do that at some other time. I do want to talk about uh, <laughs> privacy in China. Uh uh, as you may remember, I wrote this really snarky piece about uh, Tim Cook. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and uh, uh, Yeah, no, you have to turn your snark deflector to high. Uh, but he deserved it uh, because he went around saying, oh, my God, if we have to do this for the FBI, repressive governments around the world will make us do all kinds of things for them. Uh, when he was already doing all kinds of things for the most repressive regime that has any economic clout, uh, the Chinese, uh, he was building for example, this wappy chip that uh, has a almost certainly backdoored encryption algorithm, since the Chinese won't even tell us how the encryption works. I think we can guess uh, how it works. Um, And uh, they put it in everybody's phone, never mentioned to anybody there was a problem with it, uh, didn't write one some brave letter to their consumers in China, the way you do with the United States. Uh, um, And that has sort of led me to a broader question, which is, why don't we hear more about China's contribution, dystopic contribution, to technology and privacy. Um, Why is it that you can get 50 companies and every uh, 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 three-letter privacy organization on the planet to file amicus briefs against the FBI, and not one of them has said diddly about uh, the Chinese uh, intrusions?
1: So... To answer your, your initial question, do we care about privacy in China? Of course we do. We care about the human rights of internet users regardless of their citizenship regardless of where in the world they are and I would want to see the same protections availed to a Chinese end user as I would a US end user as I would a South African end user um, we have not actively engaged with the Chinese government simply because we are not present in China and we do not have the resources to uh, petition that government currently that's not to say we couldn't so I encourage you all to make your donations now to www.cdt.org we are a nonprofit 501 501c3 organization and we are uh you know deeply in need of of your personal support and your professional support um
0: we have we have and bought we are grateful a, a, a to stephen johnson
1: for their support of tech Prom, which is next wednesday i might add in case you didn't know um so no you're you're absolutely right stuart that um if you feel companies are being disingenuous or are applying one standard in one country and one standard in another we certainly would take that point. We simply haven't had the resources to engage, um, with that fight. Um, but that is not to say we, we don't, we've, we've been more engaged at, in litigation in Europe and, um, Eastern and Western Europe and a little bit in Asia, but not nearly as much as I would like to be.
0: So one of the things that, uh, people have, have, have asked me, well, is there some compromise in the Apple FBI fight? Uh, or is there some legislation that, uh, Uh, would get broader support or could could produce consensus, and I was uh, uh, trying out ideas, and I said, well, here's one. Suppose when somebody says to the U.S. government, I'm sorry, I can't decrypt that, I can't help you with that because I've designed it so I can't uh, uh, do it, Uh, um, the FBI and the U.S. government should be entitled to say, well, I want to know every accommodation you have made technically to every other government uh, on the planet. Uh, uh, so I can check to see whether you're just shining me on or whether you're actually uh, uh, taking a principled stand even in places where it's a little less convenient than the United States. Well,
1: we'd be all in favor of more transparency. We've called there for more transparency from com- companies all over the world about their dealings with government. And I think it does crystallize the issue of the blurring of the lines. And the, you see this most starkly in, in China, but you see it elsewhere in the world. And I think that's that's the takeaway for me of the Snowden revelations is not all the noise in strom and Durham, but the giving of your data to a private sector actor with the assumption that that was going to be kind of a privity of contract of a closed circle um and that that data is blur, blurring or bleeding into government coffers in a way that ordinary citizens simply did not expect. And again, I am not saying I'm flat out against any kind of law enforcement, or I'm not an anarchist. um, But I do think that as we live a more completely digital and kind of technologically enabled life, we need to have zones of privacy or boundaries around the data and and the spaces that are government versus as private sector. And maybe that speaks to my libertarian streak, of which I am very proud
0: Yes, I, well, I, it certainly sounds libertarian to me. I, <laughs> uh, okay, Um well, uh, Nula, it's a pleasure to, uh, see you again. Uh, I miss the boots, but otherwise oh, sorry, it's a it's pleasure <laughs> to see you. Uh, yes, it is spring. Uh, <laughs> Lovely to see you too. Uh, okay, uh, and, I, uh, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks also to, uh, Michael Vattis and Meredith Rathbone. Uh, uh, as always, the Steptoe Cyber Law Podcast is open to feedback at cyberlawpodcast uh, at steptoe.com uh, We're always happy to get good reviews uh, uh, especially on iTunes for as long as we're able to stay on iTunes. Uh, as soon as Tim Cook finds out we're on, he'll take us off I'm sure. Uh, but this has been episode 108 of the Steptoe Cyber Law Podcast brought to you by Steptoe and Johnson. Coming up, we're going to be joined by Perian Boring of the Chamber of Digital Commerce by Suzanne Spaulding uh, from our old uh, agents the Department of Homeland Security, uh, uh, where she is in charge of um, cybersecurity and infrastructure protection, uh, by Mike Hayden, who's written a fine book called Playing to the Edge, uh, uh, in giving his uh, memoir of days as CIA and NSA director. Uh, we hope that you'll once again join us as we provide insights into the latest events in technology, security, privacy, and government.